1: Well, hello and welcome back to the CIS Podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Uh, I'm Tony Sager, I'm gonna be your host for this episode. And i joined by a couple of guests I'll introduce in just a moment. But uh, we did a little bit of a change in schedule. We did a, The prior episode was about the development of the CIS Controls version eight. And we talked about some of the background, a little bit of history and the motivation and what we were trying to achieve with that. And we'd featured uh, Phyllis Lee as the Senior Director of the Controls and Randy Marchani, one of our volunteers. Well, we're, we're two days in from the release of version eight. And uh, think of this as a kind of a first impressions. So the original second episode we'd planned will be doing later in this in the season here. But, uh, you know, it's been an amazing ride. And I can say that for certainty, because I was around, as mentioned before, for what, what I'll call version zero of the controls. That is a uh, one of the uh, pieces of the origin of the controls was a two-page letter that came from our work at the National Security Agency. Kind of a, if you don't know where to begin, based on our experience, start here. And the goal there, uh, which has held through for all the versions of the controls, was how do we sort out all the noise and the fog and the confusion and the conflicting advice and the marketplace claims to help people focus in on the most important things they need to do in cybersecurity. And uh, you know, it was based on the observation that people were uh, overwhelmed by the resources, not, not uh, empowered by them. And so it's important to help people get started with the foundation, but also to focus in on the most important things to do. So as I said, uh, Controls version 8 has been out for all of two days, and it's been amazing. So from a fairly casual project to, uh, again, a two-page letter, to something that's really been institutionalized, adopted around the world, supported by an army of volunteers and the entire industry, uh, it's just amazing to see the evolution of this over the years. And I, uh, as we spoke about in the prior episode, you know, uh, there was a larger group of people involved, a lot more feedback, a lot more uh, work, and sort of a comprehensive approach to the to both the problem and then uh, our recommendations that we offer from there. So we'll talk about kind of the first impressions. This is a, a new a new idea for us to talk about the, the initial feedback, what we've heard, what's been happening. And so I'm joined today by the Senior Director of Controls, Phyllis Lee of the Center for Net Security. Hello, Phyllis. Welcome back. And then by Rick Doughton, Rick was another one of the amazing volunteers that worked on not only version eight, but a couple of the prior versions. And, you know, Rick is a really busy guy. He's a vice president of the company, a CISO, and uh, he's not sitting around waiting for things to do. He's also a great, I'll call, community citizen, uh, someone who dedicates a lot of his time to uh, these kinds of causes, right, to volunteer work. To make the internet a safer place for all of us so rick welcome it's a great to have you here on the guest i know you're a pro at these podcasts so i i stand in awe of uh, the, the work that you have done here but welcome you to to ours uh, so let me just kind of uh, start off with uh with phyllis you know part of what we talked about in the uh, first episode was about uh, what we have always called the guiding principles of the controls, what we were trying to achieve. And um, could you remind us of some of those? And then we'll talk about the the, what the implications and, and some of the feedback that you've gotten.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I always like to say because Tony has done so much for the community, these guiding principles really are based um, on what Tony wrote several years ago and really are relevant still today. As Tony says, and I want to repeat it, I think I said it last week, consensus does not mean everyone is 100% happy. So how is it that you bring a group of um, strong-minded experts together and to, you know, really kind of herd the cats? Um, And you really have to agree on these guiding principles. So for example, it was number one, everything has to be measurable. One of the most frequently asked questions is, how do I know if I, you know, implemented this? Safeguard or control um, successfully. Everything has to be um, achievable. What we don't want are aspirational controls. We want it to be practical and something that organizations can implement. We want to have pe- peaceful coexistence um, in the community. We won't. We don't want to diverge from other standards. Um, you know, documents that NIST puts out. Um, things that the cloud Security Alliance puts out, et cetera, and we you know partnered with them this year. And we also want to make sure that um, the things that we we do are backed by data or the things that write we write down are backed by data and actually defend against real world threats. There are many things that organizations can implement across their enterprises that are good for security, but we want to make sure that we recommend the most critical things. Um, that actually defend against or are able to detect high high threats um, that organizations are seeing today.
1: Yep. And, and you know, that, that, that notion, uh, as you said, that this community is full of really smart people of goodwill, right? Willing to contribute their time, but they're also strongly opinionated. So moving them forward. And we've always said the discipline is not about adding more things to do. Right. We, we can do that without even blinking in this business. The discipline is about cutting back to the most important things to do and the foundational things to do. So, Rick, you've been a, a volunteer through at least a couple of cycles with us. Could, so without revealing any state secrets or or near fights or arguments, tell me a little bit about the process, you know, kind of the trade-offs and the, the, the ups and downs, of the discussions and maybe some of the, the the issues that had to get resolved as part of the uh, volunteer team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it, this was one of uh the best experiences I've had in working in, you know, kind of committees like this, because everyone was working towards the same goal, rooted by the guiding principles that Phyllis just talked about, and also, you know, we knew that we wanted to do something that was going to be impactful and useful because we all kind of understood the importance of it. You had mentioned that controls are used worldwide. I know I was a virtual CISO for four and a half years before coming here, and most of the organizations I worked with kind of used them. And, you know, we have a lot of responsibility to make sure that, you know, we're doing something that is adding value. And I think all of us, and and frankly, to you, credit to you, Tony, you handpicked every one of us, (laughs) you know, knew that coming in, and it was such a good diverse group of people from different industries from government from different you know perspectives and and it really was a good collaboration yes we disagreed we had and and I think we had some really good constructive debates where you know it would be I think we should do this like well I have a dissenting opinion I think we should do that and then we kind of talk about it and we kind of work through it and say okay I can see that and all of them. And cybersecurity people are known, as you said, for being very opinionated, and also being sometimes being very rigid and being the, you know, department of no, right. But, you know, all of us were were of that personality. And I think it kind of, again, goes back to you picking a good team, right, that wants to work together towards this goal, and be able to kind of put aside any, you know, biases or, or, or prejudices to be able to say, all right, well, this will be fine. And, and I know this is my pet thing, and I don't like it. But you know, uh, this is certainly something that will be effective.
1: Yeah, well, I, I can't take full credit for picking the team because Phil uh, played a major role in this. But but the the idea is important, right? Of this, uh, reminding people of the greater good to be served. And so, you know, the first versions of this were like, let's get everybody together, and if we can agree on something, we put it out there, and we'll see what happens. But you know, the feedback uh, and, and thanks for your, you know, you you know, you were an adopter before you were a volunteer. Um, you know, makes it clear what the responsibility of CIS is here. Right. That is, people pay attention to this. I mean, that first letter, it was just literally went to the Pentagon and some friends. And the first version that SANS put out and CSIS, you know, just kind of went to the ether. Right. It got, it got attention because of the participants. But what that brings is this responsibility. Right. People are counting on us to do the best job we can and so forth. And so I think that's one of the things that's really matured about all this, uh, you know, from an email flood that would just show up. Anybody got any comments? Send it to here, you know. And folks, you know, uh, uh, hesitant to reveal how chaotic those first versions were, but but you can just imagine, right? From uh, uh, feedback from all over the place. But the the way we both request, manage, gather, and use feedback is really matured. Uh, Phyllis, could give us a little insight into kind of that process here, because that was really the backdrop for what version 8 was, right? It's not a mystery think tank or just a hand-picked group of volunteers. It's actually a pretty pretty broad set of information that helps drive this.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, we have a custom tool called Workbench in which we manage all our communities. So what's great about where we are with controls, we have the main document controls um, community. Uh, It was version 7. And then now, of course, we have one for version eight. We also have communities around our tooling, our control self-assessment tool. We have communities around our different um, companion guides. We have the cloud guide, we have the mobile guide, and of course we have our mappings community. And so what we're able to do is gather comments from all these different communities, right? People who are using the tool have comments about, hey, why does this control say this? Why is this safeguard say this? How do we measure this? What do you think we should do? People who are in the cloud community also provide us feedback. What about this tool? Who's responsible for what? And we gather them all and we decide to include them into the main document. We also get feedback with our outreach um, with different organizations. We have the MSI SAC um, and we get feedback from SLTTs. So we take all of that in, which drives um, what we do with all our documentation and all our best practices guidance
1: yeah this, this idea of sort of um, managing right these thousands literally thousands of volunteers and sort of collecting resources so that we're all you know we all bring different experience, but we also um, you know want to start from a call a loosely very loosely a common body of knowledge, right it's not it's not just what you know, but it's sort of like, okay, what are the big threat reports telling us? What is the feedback from the users telling us? And so being able to sort of set the level for the group and still take advantage of the uh, uh, experience. I remember, Rick, a number of uh, discussions, right? So you bring uh, you know, a lot of tremendous experience. And our, our prior guest on the prior episode was Randy Marchaney, who I always enjoyed because since he's a CISO for Virginia Tech, right, a major academic institution, he's got a, he has a whole different body of knowledge and you know practical experience in dealing with these. And I know you two had you know, a number of things where you're comparing notes about, oh, you know, the way an academic institution deals with it is really different than the way a commercial company. Any, any of the sort of background of that kind of stuff you could share with us, Rick?
0: Yeah, Randy and I worked a lot together and you know it also helped that he was one of the SANS instructors for the controls. And so a lot of times I'd kind of ask him, I said, what did you talk about in this particular control or what were things that some of your students have a challenge with and that really informed a lot but you know going back to the you know yes it was kind of a uh, it, what 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 phyllis was saying that we have a lot of input and and uh, from from lots of different places and that the panel was really just to kind of you know, normalize it and focus it and kind of put it down. And then we'd have discussions of whether or not we, you know, agreed with it. But yeah, particularly with, you know, a, a kind of call Randy, my writing partner is like when the sections that we, we, a lot of sections we work together on, I would kind of put together Thing and then we sit there and have a discussion about it and and you know he is you know has both an academic perspective and then the uh, the the ciso of a university which is really like a small town I mean it's a very dynamic environment with lots of things you don't control and. And then the community. And so it was really good to kind of have, you know, my experience of being in the corporate world. And also, you know, having worked in defense industrial base and, and, and kind of viewing that and, and I think that it really kind of added to the, you know, the richness of, okay, here are some things that that many organizations have to deal with, because, you know, we have these implementation groups from small, medium and large, and I represent a very, very large company now. And so that perspective, having been a CISO before of one of the, you know, very small companies.
1: Right. I think and it, 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 it uh, reflects one of the things Phyllis said, which is, you know, we're not interested in, in issuing gold-plated guidance that no one will use. And so hearing about that, right, what are the practical implication issues? What do students ask? What do you do in a university? What do you do in the commercial setting? And you've dealt with, you know, gigantic defense industry companies and very small ones and everything in between. And so you, you have to, to try and sort of figure something out, right, that is workable. And I think one of the tricks of the controls, I always said, uh, security frameworks and recommendation lists, they range from the cosmic to the microscopic. Right. You know, the cosmic is uh, do good in security and write me a paper that said you did good. And then the microscopic is, you know, buy this thing and put it in place. You know, tell me it and show me it's in place and everything in between. And we're we're always struggling with what I'd call the sweet spot. Right. To be prescriptive without being too general. Right without being, you know, focused on a problem without being tied to a particular technology or vendor tool or whatever. And that is, that is a hard trick to get right. And there's a lot of discussion around those kinds of things. And the mix of sort of technology and processes, you know, is, is a constant swirl in those discussions. So, yeah, very, very rich. And I tell you, if we could sort of record those discussions and maybe throw away a few of the outtakes, it would just be fascinating listening to me because you're, you're hearing some incredibly experienced people you know, focused on these issues. This is not wizards pontificating and trying to one up each other. These are really uh, legitimately great discussions that, uh, you know, and the the goal is to let people benefit from these discussions without having to sit through every week for multiple hours, you know, chewing on these. So Phyllis, all right, so we've been two days into the release, give me a few teasers about some of the things you're hearing, right? Is it, you know, uh, villagers with pitchforks and torches? Is it, uh, you know, what what, is, what are you hearing from the community in, in terms of the in, in sort of initial response to the Version 8?
2: So the good news is that I'm actually hearing a very good response. Okay,
1: great. Um,
2: I was telling you how we have all these different forums mm-hmm. um, for the, um, CSAT, our control self assessment tool, Aaron Piper, who's the PO for that tool, shared with the group. Someone said, Hey, we just turned to version 7. We were we just started version 7.1, but version 8 has this uh, service provider management in here. We're changing right now based on this <laughs> okay, control. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, this morning I was on um, a podcast with MSPs. And they said, why did you put in that 4.6 infrastructure as code where we have to, you know, <laughs> um, have, you know, securely managed, secure configuration? He's was like, that's hard for us. And I said, you know, hey, the number one thing you can do is have a secure configuration to help defend against, you know, a- against um, attacks and, um, we think that, you know, organizations that are moving to cloud need to make sure their service provider is doing this or, you know, who's responsible for what. And and the person agreed wholeheartedly, right. but said, you know, this is going to be hard.
1: Yeah, and that's, <laughs> said, that's another so- great example, Phyllis, of the, you know, we, we uh, try to reflect, right? I mean, it's been an exciting year plus for everybody in the industry for lots of reasons, but the, the work to move from home you know, all the remote employees to be supported and all the sort of changes in the industry itself, right, in addition to the social conditions around it, you know, says that you, you have to think about how these things get implemented, right? How does IT support businesses and, and, and so forth? And so thinking about these issues of like, sort the service provider, you know, control, management control is really a, a new step for us and a way to think about this problem and to re- accurately reflect, you know, what people are really doing. These are complicated problems, the technology is fast changing, and so this thinking about those kinds of things is really important. So Rick, Rick, I'm going to hit you with a loaded question early here though. Who's, someone must have asked about, what happened to my 20 things? Why are there 18 things? I mean, has the world ended based on that? Or, you know, give us a little bit of uh, sort of the well, thinking behind it.
0: Well, I guess I was so used to calling the 20. Right. You know, I remember when it, was, when it was originally the consensus audit guidelines, yes, right? The GAG. Right. Um, or the SAN 20 Critical Security Controls. Steve from Steve for Habit. And I remember in version 6, you know, about six years ago, we purposely changed the name to say the Critical Security Controls and not the 20 exactly, Critical yeah. Security Controls to give us the the leeway to change to add or subtract and we you know if we need to and now we're at that point right no I don't think that anyone you know in some of the discussions that, I, that I've had you know they appreciate the focus Okay. and particularly the ones that kind of we got rid of yeah. right that were kind of superfluous you know we're already embedded in other things didn't need a whole new section for portion protocols and boundary defense and and things like that and so I really you know that that you know my peers that i've kind of talked about in the last couple of days they have read it have appreciated that it's it is a lot more focused and that's the word they okay. use and 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 there's less redundant and and it kind of goes to the process we did this time which is different than all the other processes you alluded to before mm-hmm. where everybody we pretty much rewrote every word you know i mean when you did the introduction you're like just i'm starting from Mm -hmm. scratch you know i'm not and i think in previous versions we all kind of like i'll take this and modernize this section but it's like nope we start from scratch every single time it's like what do we really want to say and including modern challenges Mm -hmm. you know mobile and cloud were things we integrated more the whole infrastructure as code thing like 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 uh, phyllis mentioned i mean yes that's how it works you know the cloud's a big application and And even in things like, you know, one do I recall in in ransomware, you know, the fact that, you know, in version seven, we say have good backups to protect you from ransomware. Well, now that doesn't work, right? Because they steal the data first and then you still, even if you have a backup, they'll still going to extort you. And so we call that out. And so the modernization of it and the consolidation of some of the things that weren't kind of redundant in other places, we really had a chance to sit back and and Clean that
1: up, yeah. The just for, for, for historical context, version zero. When I first called the people in the room to okay, let's let's help people get started, I said, Small number of things. I said, and I said it, small number to me means like four to seven. Okay, well, people being what they are, right, they wouldn't agree to less than 10. So the original letter, I think, had 10 things in it, and that's really what was one of the pieces that became uh, adopted by SANS and, and CSIS uh, that became the consensus, all the guidelines, but then it became 20. Well, what was the magic to twenty? Well, let's, let's. Here's one of the untold secrets, right? There's no magic to twenty. It was what people would agree to. You know, it wasn't driven by data. It was driven by, you know, the discussion, and it's kind of catchy, right? So it, it sort of stuck and it stuck around as a nickname for a while. But, but I think um, you know, trying to reflect uh, focus is really important, and that's you know that that's consistent with this this idea of a guiding principle, right? You know, I, I used to say, and I'm going to give you an example now. Uh, my, my uh, I never shared this with Phyllis before, My part of my def- definition was of consensus was everyone walks away from the table uh, unhappy that their favorite in the term of the day was pet rock is not sitting on the table. I said, including me, right? Because I'm no smarter than anybody else. Right. And the idea is we all give up a little bit, right? Our favorite thing that we can't really rationalize to everybody else for this greater good. You know, that, that's really what the, the trick and what Phyllis, I think, pulled off magnificently is that as a project leader, yeah. it just, you know, you have to keep reminding people of, of what we're trying to achieve, not that we're trying to show each other up, you know, that that's that's a mm-hmm. that's part of the business here. Right. That's how we make our living as wizards is to be really clever. So, but here's one. So uh, I'm sure there was a question, Phyllis, about basic foundational and organizational. And now that was one of my (laughs) pet rocks for a while. I wrote those titles, I think, as I recall, I forget. There was some discussion, but we were, uh, this was what, version seven, I don't remember, Rick. Um, We were trying to separate out those organizational things, right? And they became the last few controls that were not really controls. They were a mix of business process, management, you know things like the uh, secure uh, development of software, uh, instant response and so forth. So they were a different flavor. And so we were kind of setting the stage for maybe those will be handled differently down the road. And that became kind of three lumps, you know, that became part of the, the, the marketing and the graphic that haven't survived uh, and for good reason. So Phyllis, tell me a little bit about that. Any feedback on that or, and, you know, do people miss it? And what's your, what's the story for why those aren't there now?
2: Yeah, sure. So I definitely have gotten feedback on that. I mean, it used to be, and I can understand that, right? The messaging was do the first six. Those are basic. Um, they're, that really is what you need to focus on. Um, but, you know, when I came on board to CIS, what we found, I was fascinated. And this is the power of the controls, right? We said they are in priority order. And people said, yeah, OK, I'm going to do 1.1. all the way down, all the one dots until we get to two, and so on and so forth. And so by the time you get to Control 10, which is um, backup and recovery, I mean, you know, I don't know, how far are you into your program? You know, you could be a year and a half into it, right? (laughs) And so, you know, we realized that. And um, a couple years ago, Kurt said, you know, uh, you know, we need to really help small, medium enterprises, right? That was a push across CIS. And you know, organizations are using the controls this way, which was never our intent. How is it that we can help these smaller organizations and provide further prioritization across all the controls? So um, that's what we did with implementation groups. So we have what I call would be two prioritization schemes, the vertical, which is the controls one through 18 now, um, and then the horizontal, which is across all the controls, which ones should you implement first um, and that's what the implementation groups um, represent. And we are saying, you know, do implementation group one. All organizations should implement and start there. And I will tell you the small organizations like it, and including the large organizations, because no one has unlimited resources. Everyone wants to get the biggest bang for their buck. Because we do the work to say implementation group one can defend against these top five attacks through our community defense model, that also provides further justification. Um, for you know why why should you start here?
1: Yeah, that's and the, the whole uh, shift right from the sort of simpler um, way of expressing you know basic foundational et cetera to the implementation groups is is a is a more nuanced story, but it's also one that that we can back up right that that makes sense that is sort of rational and more realistic to the conditions and so forth. So it's really important to, you know, to look at these. And so, you know, my, my, one of the, the things, Rick, Rick, you probably don't know this, but I told Phyllis, never feel constrained by anything that I, I ever said before or any group said before, right? As you said, we we, we owe it to the community that that uh, counts on us to give us our the best answer, right? And to look realistically. We're not trying to throw things into a hopper and, you know, completely change people's programs. We, we understand people invest a lot of energy, money, you know, resources uh, around our guidance. And so we, we have to respect that. At the same time, we owe them an honest answer. So we, you know, these are these are challenging discussions. We do our best to lay them out. Uh, this is not a one size fits all either. These are complicated, everyone starts from where they are. And so whatever tech base and people and regulatory environment, all those things that, you know, you had to live as a way of life, it, those are a little bit different for everybody. And yet, uh, if we treat everyone as unique special snowflake, then there's no progress at all. So we try to really help people get to a stage that is, that is rational, backed up by our best analysis, supported by a community, and so forth. So all those things are really, I think, uh, you know, good illustrations of the kind of themes that we have to deal with. So Rick, you were part of the, the kickoff webcast, I think, uh, two days ago. Is that true? So any yep. any uh, feedback or questions that came in on that webcast that really struck you or that you'd like to jump into and, and talk about?
0: Uh, interesting. There were a lot of ones that we had, like in the comments before. Okay. You know, when we had the first draft mm-hmm. out, and um, and that was and and that was. And I, I told Phyllisis that that was kind of my favorite part. Okay. I mean, yes, we spent eight months we working mm-hmm. on this all together, but then it's kind of like I put it out and we see. All right, well, what right, do we people say about here. it? Because were we wrong? Were we? You know, th- do they hate it? Yeah. Do they not like eighteen? Do they want a prime number instead? I don't know. <laughs> so they. Um, but but it, it but it was. It it was hard it was it was I was happy to see them because we have answers mm-hmm. for them. You know, why isn't there one for GRC? Something that we kinda mm-hmm. have. It's like, well, because and <laughs> we had a whole thing about that afterwards, like that's a good question. We need to explain that, you know, where the controls fit in. Like you said, it's above benchmarks mm-hmm. and like the MIST um the the, the the MITRE attack framework, but below NIST cybersecurity framework and like ISO, and this is kind of where we kind of fit and they were you know so seeing common questions was very kind of helpful and also in things about you know why certain you know when things went away because we had like this mapping of oh here are the three that went away here are the three here are the four that consolidate and they went into here you know it's like well where'd they go (laughs) you know you just delete them and they're not addressed and like no they are addressed already and other things they didn't need their own thing to clutter up the, the that that and so yeah it was it was it was good to to kind of get that confirmation again that it's all, everyone's thinking the same way and how they use it and and the final thing i want to say is kind of talk about that the in uh, in um, implementation groups is is there were things that'd be aspirational because just because you're big doesn't mean you're mature you know just because you're small doesn't mean you're immature and don't have resources but you know you can kind of pick and choose where you want to be and i want to be like you know you know bronze silver gold level i want to be a gold level in this one and a bronze in this one or whatever and i might be small but there might be something aspirational in ig3 that i can do because i have the resources or whatever it's like Good mm-hmm. on you.
1: Yeah, a lot of that, uh, this is about helping people, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about this, helping people make rational decisions, right? Good decisions, as opposed to everyone, uh, you know, you must be this tall to ride on the ride or, you know, the, the sort of a fixed view of this. Because, you know, it is a complicated uh, business here, right? There, there were If there were easy answers, I, I, I would hope, hope someone would have invented them long a different- ago. And
0: okay. And different businesses have different threat scenarios, you know, so if you're in manufacturing, it's more about resiliency and availability, you know, you don't really have the, you know, you you don't have PHI or PII that you're worried about. And so there might be controls around, you know, backup and configuration management that leads to that, where others which have things that are more around data protection need to focus, we may want to focus more on that and be more mature in that area. So it depends on what your business is.
1: So, the, so having answers to those questions, and and Rick knows for sure, because he was around for a couple of earlier versions. Um, frankly, we were lucky to be able to put out an Excel spreadsheet with a change log, right? I mean, it was, you know, we're, we're so much better prepared, better documented, I think, again, a tribute to the team and Phyllis's management of it to sort of think these things through. That is more time was spent sort of from start to finish. And there was more time sort of after the content was locked down to think about some of these other transition issues for people and the role of the vendors and so forth. So, so Phil, one thing that's really different this time. Uh, so when I, you know, again, the, the earlier versions kind of came out once SANS took over for, for keeping, they, they rolled out under the umbrella of SANS, right? There might be an event and a press announcement, but, but not, not, not nearly the scope of things that we're doing today. When, when uh, I retired and got involved again in, in the, the Center for Internet Security became the really the permanent home for this work. Uh, you know, there was there was a, an event, right? We would have an event in D.C. and press and so forth, but still fairly modest. Uh, so tell me what it means today. What does it mean to roll out a new version? What are some of the things that go on around, you know, beyond the content being released to the public? What are some of the other activities that that yeah, you've been, sure. uh, managing, tracking, uh, encouraging, et cetera?
2: Yeah, no, um, that's a that's a great question. Um, so you mentioned Sands. You know, the the document, the content was locked down in February and we didn't release until now. So, why is that? Because there are so many dependencies on the document. SANS needs to create training around it. So, we had to hand over the final document to them. We have tooling, the control self assessment tool. Um, People wanted, you know, I said, well, I'm not sure if people are going to start on day one, but, you know, we should be there just in case. Turns out, yes, we got i see that (laughs) you're flipping now we love it we're gonna do it now and so i'm like okay you know good thing that we did that so we had to update the controls self-assessment tool the um the um controls assessment specification that is really around vendors actually um implementing Mm -hmm. you know tooling around assessing against the controls and i want to say that has been also extremely helpful you mentioned about being vendor neutral we went to a few vendors to say, is this logical? We're not tool vendors. We wanna automate the um, assessment of controls as much as possible. Is this something that can be done you know, in a vendor neutral way? So, you, so we went to different vendors, as well as service providers, cloud service providers to have them review that. And that was helpful. Um, we also have our um, mobility guide updated because of mobile devices and how prevalent they are. Um, while they're included in the main document, the question is, how do I um, implement this in an MDM? Um, you know, And we also updated our um, community defense model, which will be out later, but to say, hey, can we uh, defend our choices around implementation groups, implementation group one? Are we still being, are we still able to defend against the top five, which is yes, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it really is around um, providing that for everybody as well as mappings. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure we provide that service to everybody. And, you know, on our webinar on Tuesday, um, everyone said, are you gonna be updating to NIST? Are you gonna be updating to this? Are you gonna be updating to this? And so I really took that as encouraging because people are, people are going to start using Controls version 8. And they want to know what does it mean when I convert to eight and I am subject to the audit on all these other regulatory frameworks and they wanted to know that. And so, um, I'm excited to say that, you know, for the top five, which is a lot of mappings, the top five of the mappings that, um, that are most downloaded, um, you know, those were, those were released on day one. So it was very exciting.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so amazing. You know, the, the amount of work that's happening in parallel, you know, both by the CIS team, but also the marketplace, to you know sort of prepare for this, right? So, so, that, so we become part of the ecosystem. You know, that is the expectation is there, right? It's going to be used. I need the tools. I need training. I need uh, information from CIS to help me. You know, other documentation, and so uh, managing all that, right? So, so release of a new version has really taken on a really a large scale in terms of all these these different elements that go with it, right? It has to be managed in a way that, again. Helps helps the adopters. I mean, that's the bottom line here, right? Is our ability to help people uh, understand the problem, you know, and sort of take action without having to do the kind of analysis that's happened over the last umpteen months to, you know, to create that version. So, uh, Rick, any other sort of favorite feedback that you heard from the webcast or prior to the uh, prior to that?
0: I guess it's the uh, appreciation of, you know, the glossary, because we did a lot more and Phyllis had an amazing team of people as you just describing that did all the behind the scenes stuff. So Mm. we just kind of like did all the the discussion and, and wrote things down, but then they had to, you know, go map it. So we had a lot more consistent language that, right. you, know, yeah. you know, we call the same thing, the same thing in all of them. We, you know, to make it easier to be able to grade and question whether is an organization different than enterprise, which is different than company, right. you know, or what is an asset and is an asset. And as we talked about on Tuesday, whether mobile or portable <laughs> right. yeah, assets was, was was something in the definition. And so by clarifying that, I think it's going to be a lot more usable. Um, you know, certainly some things you wonder was about, you know, data protection was 13 that, you know, moved all the way up to three. I mean, it was a yeah. big mover, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, in, in the, uh, in, in the list. And, and kind of like, why, you know, was that and, and, and those kinds of things. And so, You know, it was good to to answer those questions, which were ones that we kind of also kind of weighed and did lots of discussions about, and be able to share people that this was not just arbitrary. This was, you know, and and there were some things that I remember, like I said, when we got some of the feedback from the public that were totally like, "Yep, we missed that. Good, good point. Yes, Mm -hmm. put that in." (laughs) That's
1: right. Well, I think part of the uh, the the rollout process, right, is to I'll, I'll call it humanize the whole process. Right, and I remind people regularly when I talk. Uh, there there's no like mystery think tank, right? And giant building of, of folks that's doing this. This is a community activity, and so uh, yeah, there's a couple of things that, that certainly the CIS has initiated and created. You know, but but most of the ideas really come from the adopter base, right? How people use things, and so the the more stories we gather of that, and we've been doing you know much better at that over the last few years. To how, how are you using it? And, and what are you struggling with, right? And what's, you know, what what is your environment like? And all that gets rolled in, in the way that Phyllis talked about earlier. And so it's, a, you know, just, hey, you are CIS if you want to participate. You know, people bring you ideas all the time, um, but, you know, people who who bring ideas and, want to, and are willing to work on it are even more welcome, right? <laughs> so they become part of this sort of, you know, distributed community that that's both comes up with it, the what are what are the needs, but what should we do about it? What and what can we pull together people, you know, to address some of these. And in fact, Rick, you were involved in some of the earlier like privacy things also, right? You know, it's like right, oh, yeah. okay, people are asking, well, let's let's go find some experts, pull them all into a virtual room, physically or virtually, and figure out, you know, what's going on out there and what, what resources can we work with, right? And that sort of thing is I think the routine.
2: I mean, um, I love that point, Tony, because that is exactly why we partnered with SafeCode, right? we were getting feedback for application software security hey this is great but you you just it it's cursory guidance right we really are we really are creating our own code here what is it that you want us to do and it's like a big fortune 100 company that i got feedback from as well as other organizations saying you know we wanna do it properly. We wanna do it correctly. Can you please give us more guidance? And so um, we reached out to Safe code and they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And they even took it a step further. I mean, they said, not only are we going to provide guidance from the supplier side, we're gonna um, you know, supply guidance from the consumer side. This is what you should be asking when you get um, software, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a great example of how we're able to have um, feedback and contact end organizations because they participate in our communities and we reach out to them or they just come to us directly um, so it's it's been really great so i'm excited that we are able to take all that feedback and it's reflected in controls Eight.
1: Yeah. And the feedback was great and the partnership, that's a wonderful example, fellas, because it's, you know, yeah, we could never, you know, um, the the quality and security of software, right, is an entire body of literature that's decades old. And so the part that we could address in the controls was never really very satisfying. You know, we could say a few things, we could point to other resources, which we did, uh, but that was a lot different than what happened this time was was much different. Right. And so now Safecode, you know, became a key partner. They're another nonprofit sort of kindred spirit to us. Uh, we're willing to take on the sort of first draft of that key part of the uh, you know, controls version eight and then create other documents from the safe code you know uh, sources that will be aligned with what we're doing so wonderful example and uh, sort of similar for cloud security alliance anything you want to add on that phyllis that's yeah so sure. um
2: they actually participated in the editorial panel you know we thought okay we we do need cloud expertise from people who are used to giving advice of course we had cloud service providers participating, but it was great that the Cloud Security Alliance participated. Additionally, they have their own clouds control matrix, version 4.0 just dropped a little while ago. And we collaborated with them to make sure that we could map version eight to um, the CCM version 4.0. And again, that was great. They invited us um, to their meetings and you know, it was just a great collaboration. And I really appreciated their willingness to work with us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brick
0: and those are two good examples of like the modernization of the controls mm-hmm. because like you said in the application controls it was kind of you know 10 years ago do all these good things but now with devops and devsecops and including okay. the cloud you know it's a different world it's it's less about design build run but kind of like you know integrate orchestrate you know there's a different perspective to it
1: yeah much more um again, complicated uh, uh, world, right, to deal with. and the, But this idea of reaching out, to, especially to nonprofit friends, right, partners, that, you know, there's. Uh, it, it turns out the entire ecosystem is counting on us, right, folks like the Cloud Security Alliance and Safeco, you know, and, and there are plenty of other great nonprofits in this business, and so they're just embedded in the ecosystem, but you know, much more powerful, you know, and it's all great that we say nice things to each other and point to each other occasionally and have an occasional bilateral uh, agreement, but this idea of creating content together, right? And that, that both enriches each of us, but also simplifies the problem for the adopters. Like, who do I trust? Well, why don't we let's, let's put it exactly. all together here, right? You don't have to go shopping for individual components, and I think that's part of a, a bigger trend that we try to acknowledge. Maybe Rick, you could talk about this. That is, you know, we all grew up in what I called it the uh, do-it-yourself or build-it-yourself remodel, right? You know, you, on your own, go figure out the problem, go buy stuff, go operationalize it, go train everybody, and good luck with that, you know. And you're on your own. And here we're we're recognizing more of that really ought to be done as, I'll say loosely, part of the infrastructure, right? Or pulled together in a way that you don't have to make all those individual choices with all the possible errors. But, you know, Rick, you live this world, right? That's a a
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, one of the most valuable things I do is talk to my peers and kind of seeing their perspectives on things and how they've solved problems because, you know, we don't want to have to like start over, you know, every single time. But the other thing you kind of were mentioning before about the controls and even what Cloud Security Alliance puts together in SafeCode is it's objective advice and guidance because you know security is a very vendor driven industry and we have lots of big vendors and technology companies to keep buying other ones that kind of set the tone and set the narrative and and it be- becomes, you know, where there's some I don't say like a marketing term that everyone's going towards, you know, and you know, like I want to say zero trust, you know, that's like listen, this is a fundamental thing that we're all doing, but now it's a name and people think they need to do it. And it's like it's in there. And we had a discussion about that. It's like, well we need to, you know, we can point to this and say, Yes, this approaches all those tenants of what somebody would call zero trust, but we don't need to call it that. And, and this is a Oh, this is not and also, as kind of mentioned earlier, it's not tool specific, it is capabilities, discussions, it's like have the ability to do these things, how you do it, you can write your own, you can buy a tool, you can do get a service, it doesn't matter. But these are the capabilities. And I think that's what people appreciate, is that there's so much very biased Suggestions on oh you need this magic widget to do this thing to protect you from this bad thing and it's like nope you don't do all these things and you can handle it yourself
1: yeah this this notion of uh, Phyllis hinted earlier right um, we call it uh, we're independent right we're nonprofit we're independent of the any specific vendor yet we're cooperative with the vendor space right at the end of the day we're not we're not solving these problems people are going to buy things train people and do you know The, the really it's the the right place is the marketplace to to the challenge is, on their own, most enterprises can't figure this out, right? The market is inherently noisy, confusing, conflicting. And so it's, you know, the goal is to help people kind of get a benefit from the goal, uh, from the expertise of folks like Rick, you know, with, with the greatest respect, and Randy, and you know, dozens of other people, in the Cloud Security Alliance, and SafeCode, to benefit without having to recreate the knowledge that they have, right? Or find it on your own, which most cannot do. And so this is, um, you know, I always say that, uh, uh, Phyllis is sick of this one, but, you know, we we often say sharing will save us, right? If we just did more threat sharing, we're all saved. Sharing is a means to an end. I always say that the verb that matters in cybersecurity is translate. How do I translate millions of data points of badness and technology and business use of technology, translate that into a smaller, much smaller number of positive, constructive things I can actually do about it. I mean, it's great to read all these threat reports, but most people can't absorb them, right? They're interesting. But at the end of the day, you would only read them to translate them to action. And why not do that as a group, right? So that's really. Uh, part of the process.
0: And and our adversaries are sharing and adversaries yeah, are organizing true. and they're getting better because yeah. of that. We need to well, I I well. say
1: if you want to see capitalism in action you study the criminal marketplace. Right? They they're very capitalistic and only the strong survive and they specialize and you know all that. It's it's uh, inherently funny to watch. So so Phyllis uh I'll start to wind down here but tell me a little bit. So have you already started to put some things to consider in like into workbench or other places for the maybe for version 8.1 yes. pile. Yes, we have to start thinking about that oh it isn't okay and
2: and you know what's great is part of it is um we've already gotten feedback on the document what does this mean so again it tells us we have to provide more clarification um you know and um we talk about um we have asset classes um we need to align those better with our definitions um i think we already got feedback you know a lot of it also goes into um the companion guides, you already touched upon it today. We did get a lot of discussion around GRC. We want to create a companion guide around where is your where is the controls framework, the CIS controls, where does it fit in the ecosystem of GRCs? We've gotten a lot of requests about privacy, where to where you know, how is it when you implement controls? What does that mean for privacy? We have a lot of questions on zero trust. <laughs> What does that mean for control so all these things um we are going to provide either amplifying guidance or integrate into 8.1 so yes we we already have our confluence pages set up and um you know we'll be we'll be updating all our um all our documentation as appropriate
1: so, so how do people get that feedback to you
2: so please uh, join our like workbench this. community if you go to cisecurity.org, you'll see you can Join our um, risk assessment community, the CSAT, um, or the Controls Version Eight community. Um, Please, please, we work so hard. Robin on our team, she she's very um, adamant about getting responses to people within three days. And don't be surprised if you also get an email saying, "Hey, that's a great question. Um, Let's talk more about that. What can we do?"
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, so the, this idea of, you know, again, th- there's no mystery think tank, right? And Workbench, which you referenced earlier, is our closed social media platform, which anyone can have an account on. And you are a participant in these discussions, right? You're putting ideas there, you're answering questions. And, you know, it's a really powerful um, uh, mechanism. And again, there's thousands of people involved in this. And, you know, not all active, but lots of them are. And it was a key source for version A of the controls. It drives the CIS benchmarks you know this is a really uh, an amazing resource that allows you to be part of the process right and not wait for a annual workshop from a government agency or some other mechanism or a formal feedback you know call for call for comments kind of a thing this is an ongoing discussion for us uh, any any last thoughts from your perspective rick on the the version eight and sort of the, the process you're a survivor of a couple versions. And um...
0: <laughs> this was a great, th- this was a great experience and we worked really well. And I think that, yeah, th- we look forward to the feedback and we look forward to adding, adding that in and considering, because this is really crowdsourcing. I mean, that's the most accurate way of doing anything is, and, and we are just kind of like, the the conduit to kind of like take it and you know phyllis's team normalize it and then we present it like does this make sense does that make sense, oh that's a good idea it's like nope that's a you know a very specific vendor term that we're not going to use we want to make it more general and and be able to apply it that gets it out to the people to be as useful as possible but i'm you know always uh proud to be part of of supporting this and especially am proud of you know version 8 and what we put together and i look forward to even had a friend this morning in one of my local charlotte CISO calls that i have um social calls we have that says like this is great because it's exactly says the thing i've been trying to push and i can say here's a document that suggests to do this so this will give me some ammunition i'm like
1: cool yeah so another happy uh, consumer we appreciate that Right. Phyllis, any <laughs> any last thoughts from your perspective on the, the VA process, the rollout, and the excitement? I, but the work is just starting, so I, I know you, yeah. you don't well, get the rest of it. Well, I would say
2: that um, number one, this was a great experience for me. Also, um, the volunteerism and the um, you know enthusiasm of the group, like people like Rick and Randy, who was on last week, was amazing. The reception, um, you know, we had a kickoff um, webinar that had over four thousand registrants on Tuesday was amazing. Um, You know, and the number of folks who've reached out on LinkedIn and who, who, who have downloaded the document. Again, record numbers. I'm, I'm so excited. I would say, you know, please, please, please get involved. Give us your feedback. We look at all of it. Um, please look forward to our community defense model, um, which will provide more details on how it is that we back our choices by data, as well as um, I do want to talk about, uh, I'll give a plug. We have these living off the land papers where we really want to integrate it doesn't want to we don't want to be just controls. We want to look across all of security best practice practices. Another term I steal from Tony, economic optimization around best practices to implement on your networks. Um, we want to be better than um, implement this benchmark or implement these this control. We want to say, hey, um, the first instance of this is RDP. We want to say, hey, we know we're in a remote environment. You guys have to use RDP to remotely manage your networks. Um, here's the minimum set of security best practices you need to implement across your network to help lock down or secure that protocol as much as you can. Um, and that is across benchmarks and um, the controls. It's down to the safeguard level as well as down to the configuration setting. So, in this way, organizations can really understand what they're doing. And so, um, you know, we're constantly trying to update our um, guidance to be practical. We know that organizations don't have a ton of resources. So we want to try to be um, as um, efficient as possible when it comes to um, outputting our guidance. So um, and and, and again, we get that from our end organizations, like, you know, they can't do it all. So let's be better. Let's be more specific and provide the guidance that organizations want.
1: Yeah. So there's a a lot of work implied in there, Phyllis, but it's all great stuff. And again, driven by you know, the real life problems that, that, the that, uh, adopters, you know, face and share with us. Right. And so we, we, again, we welcome that. We, that's, that's how we decide what's next. As we listen to the feedback from the community, we look at the environment around us and we try to juggle all that into, into useful products. So yeah, it's been an amazing ride, uh, Phyllis. I, uh, I stand in awe of your work as the project leader for uh, version eight. Uh, Rick saw me in action in prior versions, and he knows I'm not nearly so good. But you know, the the problem or the challenge this time, I think, was bigger than ever, as we talked about. Right, all the all the complementary companies, all the new issues, the social the, uh, effects of working from home, and so forth. I think really made this an exciting. Uh, time and there's just so much more coming ahead of us. So we're, we're going to wrap up for for this episode. We really appreciate the the time that you both spent. We appreciate this our sort of, kind of first impressions or first look at uh, what we've heard about uh, version 8. Uh, Rick, uh, for the record, let me just tell you, worked with you for several versions. You are an amazing uh, resource for the community, a great citizen, someone I just only the greatest admiration and respect for and uh, treasure having you on the the team and every moment that you spend as a volunteer is a a value to so many people. And I hope they get a chance to see you. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate that. My honor, absolutely. Uh, Phyllis, same to you. Uh, this was uh, your your first diversion of the controls, so uh, came in swinging. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, really big changes, even before version eight. You talked about implementation groups, right? That was a like we need to do this someday, and for me, someday was always tomorrow. And you just took it and ran with it. So really appreciate your your leadership, but also the um, you know the, the the people skill to herd cats towards common cause, and because uh, I know uh, for a fact, right? It's the the challenge is not about getting experts it's about sort of marshaling them towards this cause uh and all focused on the the greater good across the community so it's with Great respect. I got to participate this time as you know, uh, as an observer. I'm not the guy making changes at the last minute. You know, uh, I think Rick was winding up doing a lot of that for Version Eight, but <laughs> just a great pleasure to work with such fine folks and uh, all the team that came together around Version Eight. Thanks to all of this. So, so this is it for today's show. Um, thank you for tuning in to the CIS uh, Cybersecurity Where You Are podcast. We'll uh, so whatever means you use to view us, please subscribe. Uh, we had a lot more interesting things coming up over the future. Fill uh, us into about. Uh, CDM, the Community Defense Model, coming out. I'm sure we'll be featuring that. It's part of a larger theme that Phyllis hinted about, about bringing more data, rigor, and transparency to everything we do. That is, you know, we're not, again, a mystery think tank. We're uh, part of the community, and we're, our work is out there for you to both use and to understand uh, why we say these things. And so that's a big part of our, our model here. So thank you all very much. Appreciate, again, my, my two guests, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.